BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to Women at Acme. I'm so excited for today's episode with Dr. Morgan. She was an absolute delight. I loved her energy. And I feel like we ended up getting deep and like talking about you know, my own relationship stuff. You know, I love these therapy session episodes, but no, I really think that you're going to get a lot out of it because I have Dr. Morgan with me. I think it legitimizes the idea of these rules today. And for anyone who says rules are unhealthy, these are actually the healthiest rules because these are rules for healthy relationships. I'm going to start the episode sharing a mini solo episode that I shared on Patreon. If you're not on our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash we met at Acme, get involved. And it's just about healthy fights versus unhealthy fights and how to tell the difference. And I thought that it was cohesive with today's episode, which is all about healthy relationships. So I hope that you enjoy it. And I hope that you enjoy Dr. Morgan. And if you haven't already gotten your tickets, go to wemetatacme.com slash events and get your ticket for the tour at the end of July. I have some really exciting guests and I'm very excited to meet hopefully a lot of you in person. Also, if you haven't written a review, feel free to write a review if you are called to do so on the podcast app. And I think that's all the all the maintenance stuff that I have to announce today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme on Patreon. Um, this is just just for you guys. I asked you to vote on which topic we'd kind of start off with. And the one that got the most votes was a deep dive on big fights and which are normal versus not normal. This is a hot topic because I feel like we've been told like the notebook fights are like these like passionate, like I wrote to you every day for 365 days. Like these are the fights that we need to be having in order to have a good relationship, right? We need to be breaking up, getting back together, having this like arc where at the end of the day, the man like writes you a song and sings it to you outside their window. Like those are not normal relationships. Those are actually toxic relationships and healthy relationships are when you know how to fight well. And I know this because I've been in many a toxic relationship And I'm now in a healthy relationship, which I'm still like figuring out how to navigate. There are moments, I'm not going to lie to you, where I am pretty unhealthy. Some of my behavior is not healthy still. I will slip an occasional curse at Steven. I, you know, will go off without realizing that that's not normal behavior. And I think that that's from past fighting. I think it's also from fighting I've seen in my, like from the examples I have of relationships. And it's interesting because my parents are very happily married and that's, you know, can be rare these days. However, they still fight. And I think that that's something that I learned is like, it's normal to fight with your partner doesn't mean you have a bad relationship. It's just about like how you fight and not everybody is good at fighting. And I would actually argue that our parents and our grandparents, if they're still around, like are horrible at fighting actually. 
And that's probably why so many kids like scurry in the corner of their room when their parents are fighting, thinking their parents are getting a divorce, whether they are or not, because we're just shit at fighting. And, and I mean, we, as in like my parents and grandparents, like I think our generation, I'm speaking as a millennial, as a 32 year old has gotten so much better at fighting. Our generation has therapy and I feel like, so my parents did go to therapy as, you know, adults, but when they were younger and whatever, they just, therapy wasn't looked at the way that it is now, where it's like, you better go to therapy or you're in trouble. And so nobody really knew how to fight with your partner. I mean, you go to school and there's no class on relationships 101. You just like are a socially awkward person for your entire life and then have to just figure it out. So that's like what we're dealing with. But our generation as millennials and hopefully Gen Z, we are more in touch with our emotions. We have more therapists on social media who are, you know, in our face telling us this is normal. This isn't normal. Giving us terms we've never heard before. And yeah, maybe it's a little extreme sometimes, but for the most part, we're learning what is a good fight and what is a really, really not okay fight. And we're putting together those pieces. Okay, so let's kind of break it down here. If you, or I guess I'll just like talk a little bit about how I felt in fights in past relationships. I had one ex who drank a ton and I was not sober at the time that we dated. And so when he would drink and like when I would get really high, whatever, like our fights were fueled by alcohol and drugs pretty much. And they would get crazy. There were trips that we went on where one of us packed a bag and like left. Not normal, obviously. These, this is just all like very not normal behavior. And then we'll talk about like other behavior that like you might think is normal because it sounds a little bit more normal, but it's still not normal. So we'd like pack a bag and leave, like threaten to leave the trip, you know, those kinds of fights. There was another relationship that I was in or, or, oh, sorry. In that same relationship, there were times where like we would be screaming in each other's faces and like one of us like would, well, me, I would lock myself in the bathroom to like get away from him again, like very not normal. Okay. There was another relationship I was in where this partner was like, I don't, I don't know if it's avoidant. But like someone who kind of like shuts down during a fight and like leaves the room, like is just like, oh, no, like absolutely not. I remember. And again, like this is me being toxic too. like I'm taking full responsibility of my toxicity in this relationship as well. Like I wasn't innocent, but I dated someone who when we would fight, like I wanted him to like run after me when we had a fight, you know, like I wouldn't want him to like leave me in the street sad. And he would again and again and again. And I would think every time that it would be different and he would like run after me, but he would still just like leave me in the street again, sign of not okay. Fighting bad relationship. And then also like just the relationships where you feel like, like grateful when a few days or even a week goes by that you haven't had a fight. And you even say like, we haven't had a fight in a while. Like when you notice that you haven't had a fight in a while, that's right there already a red flag. If you notice when you have had a fight recently and like it hurt your feelings, like whatever, that's actually way healthier because you're like, oh, well, we never really like fight, you know? I'm so excited about our next partner because it makes me feel legitimate because it's financial stuff. And first of all, you should be talking about financial stuff. You should know what your friends make. You should know what your significant other make makes. And good money habits start with your very first paycheck. 
And if you've just scored your first job, you've got an opportunity to jumpstart a healthy financial journey. Or if you started a new job, whatever it is, when you sign up for Chime and you link a qualifying direct deposit, you get access to benefits like getting paid up to two days early and a fee-free overdraft up to $200. And with Chime, there are no monthly fees, no minimum balance, and no deposit required to become a member. So sign up for a Chime checking account today to link your paycheck. It only takes two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score at all. You can get started at chime.com slash Acme. That's chime.com slash Acme. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bank Corp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depend on payer. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. See chime.com slash spot me. Anyway, as I was saying before, try it. It's an amazing way to have a healthy financial journey, which we all should learn a thing or two about. I know I need to. So get started at chime.com slash Acme and link your paycheck today. Summer is a very sexy time, and that's why I'm so excited that we continue to partner with Dipsy, one of my favorite sexiest apps ever to exist. Because Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women, and sometimes for women on women, because, you know, us girls like that sometimes, and it's okay. And when you listen to Dipsy, you can hear immersive scenarios that they bring to life with realistic characters. So things that you're into, like maybe you have the hots for your trainer, or maybe you've always fantasized about like the guy who works at your deli who's hot and maybe it's your doorman, whatever it is, Dipsy has a story for you and new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorites over and over again, you can always find something new to explore. Also, if you're someone who has trouble sleeping, you should try listening to Dipsy before bed because they have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories that you can read. And you know, they say that reading before bed helps you sleep through the night. So, you know, and especially having an orgasm before bed. But if you haven't tried it, and for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Acme. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Acme. That's dipsystories.com slash Acme. Check it out and let them know that we sent you. A healthy relationship with healthy fights leaves you feeling closer to your significant other after the fight. No matter how bad you think the fight was, you should feel closer to this person at the end of it. You really should. And so I guess like here are signs that it's not, you're having too many relationship fights or unhealthy relationship fights. Okay. You can't communicate at all without starting a fight. Like you are walking on crazy eggshells with this person. It is Shelly up in here. You don't even know where to step. You never know when this person's going to fly off the handle. They just don't react to you well and you don't react to them well. And guess what? You don't bring out the best in each other. And that's something that it was like hard for me to accept in certain relationships because I was like, but there's so much good and like we love each other and whatever. It's like, okay, they don't bring like, do you like the person you are when you're with them? Because if you don't, that ain't your guy. That ain't your girl, you know? Another huge sign, and this kills me. And I was so nervous when Steve and I started dating because I was like, oh, he's a cancer. Like, I feel like he holds on to things. But luckily, his like Sagittarius and Aries parts of his chart just like take over and he just immediately forgets things. Thank God. But if they bring up the details of the last fight into the next one, there's nothing worse than somebody who is tallying up your shit, who throws something. And women, we are guilty of this, too throw something back at you. Well, you can't get mad at me because six months ago, you said to me that 
I looked ugly or whatever it is, you know, like if you're holding on to some ammo and you're ready to go when a fight breaks out, you are trash and your relationship is unhealthy for sure. And maybe you're the problem. Maybe they're the problem. Maybe you're not good together. If you feel like you can't express your feelings, this is obviously a huge one because a relationship cannot grow. It cannot soar without communication. And you've heard people and maybe you've been people who are like, well, I just don't want to bring it up. Like, I don't want like he, we're, we've been so good. Like I, you know, pick, I got to pick my battles. Like, no, the best relationships are when you don't feel like you have to pick your battles. Like I remember a friend of mine was over once and I like gave Steven shit jokingly for like opening a new milk carton when we already had one opened. And she was like, you really need to pick your battles. And I'm like, yeah, in your relationship, in mine, I can joke about him opening the wrong milk carton. And guess what? He's never going to do it again. And he'll joke back and then we'll move on. We'll have solved it immediately. Instead of I'm not going to hold this resentment, I feel I'm feeling, you know, this is me having a conversation with myself. You know, Stephen fucking, he didn't, he's just disrespect. He's so wasteful. Like he just, he opened that milk cart. No, I'm going to say to his face as it happens, I'm going to be like, honey, you know, we still have more milk left. Like, let's be resourceful. And then he'll be like, you're right. Like, sorry. And then we're over it. Right. Like, I don't always love when people say pick your battles. Like that's if your battle is going to be like a dark one and a bad fight. But if your battle is just going to be you bringing up something that bothers you, bring it up, bring it up, honey. Okay. This is another one. If you're focusing on the things that annoy you rather than the things that you like, like you're in this negative mindset, you've already decided. And this is kind of like an ick in a way, like you have like the, not like that you're grossed out by them, but like everything they do annoys you. It's like, I think that it's called like bitch eating crackers or something like that on like urban dictionary, like in the Gen Z world. It's like when everything somebody does annoy, annoys you, it's like the way they eat crackers. Like you are now in this mindset of this person's fucking annoying and everything they're going to do is going to annoy me. And I am just done. I'm checked out. Well, guess who that's hurting you. It's hurting you. If you want to break up, then yeah, focus on the things that annoy you. But if you want to be with this person, you need to focus on the positives. Like you need to. I feel like so many like three monthers relationships that I was in ended because they were like, well, you didn't do this. You didn't send a thank you note when like we visited my mom and it's like, well, okay. But like I sent flowers. Like, why are we focusing on like the negative instead of the positive, you know, it's like that person, I never stood a chance because that person was only focused on the negative. So like, don't be that person unless you don't want to be in that relationship. If you're criticizing them all the time. Like you don't need to criticize them. It's goes back to like, it's not about the pork chops. Like if you know, the guy storms out and it's like, I want a divorce because you burnt his pork chops. It's not about the fucking pork chops. Like, he, you know, there's some meaning behind it. So next time you're criticizing your significant other, like, is it, is it really about the shoes he left out? Or like, is there something deeper? Because like, sit down and get to the bottom of what is causing these arguments. Like the more you have healthy behaviors, like sitting down and communicating about what's bothering you, the less you're going to have these like toxic fights. If tough conversations are too difficult, this is a really bad sign. You need to be able to have these tough conversations. It sounds so cheesy, but I really always go back to the model of like, when you did this, it made me feel this. Like Stephen and I recently had an argument and like, I'm not, I don't need to get into the specifics, but I basically like wanted to do something. And he was like, I don't want to, 
do that. Like, you know, it was like as a couple, he was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And I was like, okay, well, here's why I want to do it. And like, let me know what you think after I've like explained my reasoning and like where I'm coming from. And he listened to me and he was like, okay. I didn't realize that like, it was something that you had thought of and was looking forward to for a while. I thought you just like wanted to do it spur of the moment. And that was just like a quick diffuse, you know, I could have been like, well, we're going to fucking do it. So if you don't want to do the things that I want to do, then why are you in this relationship? And blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I was just like, well, just like, hear me out. Like, this is what, this is why I really want to do it. And like, I feel like you haven't heard that before. You haven't really like been listening to why it's just like annoying you. Cause it's something on the schedule, you know? Okay. This is another huge one. If you'd rather spend alone time, like time alone than with your partner, this used to be me. I used to be in a relationship where I was like, I was dating someone who was love language was quality time. And I hate that love language. It's just not my vibe. Like I will spend quality time with you on my phone, like laying next to you on the couch. Like I'll give you like a massage, but like I'm not sitting staring into your eyes, like go away. And luckily Stephen's on the same page with that, but I had a, someone I dated in the past and he was obsessed with quality time. And like, he wanted my phone in like a locked in a cabin, like throw away the key. And I had to like sit and stare into his eyes and like talk to him and couldn't look away. And it was horrific. And so I remember I would like, when we would go out to dinner, I would sneak to the bathroom. Like when I would go to the bathroom, I'd bring my phone I'd sneak my phone and I would have so much fun just being on my phone in the bathroom. Like I would take so long just being on my phone in the bathroom because it was way more fun than being with him. And you'd think that I would have noticed that that should have been a deal breaker. If you go to bed angry a lot, I don't like this. We really don't do it. Obviously nobody's perfect, but I just don't like to go to bed angry. I, I can't fall asleep. I actually find it to be a red flag when a partner can fall asleep angry. I'm like, that was another thing I hated in certain past relationships. I was like, you're a fucking demon. You can just turn over and you're asleep after you yelled at me and I yelled at you. Like, no. If, yeah, if there's any trust issues, like just run. Like, I I don't even have to tell. Like, if you're going through their phone, run. Don't like cause a fucking scene after you go through their phone. Just leave. Just leave them truly like what they don't deserve a scene. Yeah. And like, so those are all signs that your fights are just bad. So if you want your fights to be normal, to be good, they should be fights where, you know, I brought up before you take turns talking and sharing your perspective. You know, you go back and forth. Like I didn't know that you really cared about candles in the room. I thought that you didn't want them. And had I known that you really liked candles, I would have allowed them in our room. And then the next person, you know, responds and they're like, I made it very clear to you when we first moved in together, how important candles were to me. And I felt neglected when you just ignored it. And I felt like I never, like you weren't even listening when I told you that. And then over and over again, I felt hurt when you dismissed my desire for candles. This is so stupid, but you get where I'm going with that. Like, listen to them, listen empathetically, you know, not just like listening to ready to make your point. Don't make demands. Don't bring up like like, well, then why don't you just be with someone else? That was like my go-to in a relationship once where I knew that we just weren't a match. I was like, well, you should probably be with someone who does like to go out till 7 a.m. at a rave because that's not me. And instead of saying that, I should have just broken up with him and let him find that person. Like, don't bring that up in a fight. It just doesn't do anything positive for you. Also finding the right time to fight. Like my go-to, my MO, and Stephen will tell you this, if he ever comes on this podcast again, is to bring up 
something that I've been thinking right before bed. And he's like, we're about to go to sleep. And I'm like, yeah, but I just like thought about everything in my day. And like, it just made me realize that like this really pissed me off. And he's like, okay, well, we're like about to go to sleep. So like, can we talk about it in the morning? And I'm like, no, because like it's too late. I'm bringing it up. Not great of me. Gotta be better at that. Have the conversation like when there's a better time for it in your schedule. Also like being curious in your relationship is so healthy. Like I am genuinely curious, like why Steven gets mad about certain things and like why he doesn't get mad about other things. Like, you know, like you should be curious about that with your partner. And like, yeah, I mean, I feel like, oh, and then I'm just going to tell you, and like, this is available for Google for anybody who wants to, but there's like the four horsemen. And this is like of fights. Like these are four really bad things that you should not be doing in fights. The first is criticism. The second is contempt. The third is defensiveness. And the fourth is stonewalling. So I'm sure we've all been guilty of these at some point. The first horseman basically like criticizing your partner. An example that they use is like, you never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. You're just selfish. Like, no, there's another way to say that, you know, you could just say like, your behavior really hurt my feelings. And I just really want to know that like I'm thought about more, you know, something like that. Contempt is when you think you're better than someone else. And honestly, I feel like this is the biggest red flag in a relationship that like you, it's hardest to come back from. Actually, Gottman, they're like therapists, Gottman Institute says that contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce. So like if you think you're better than them, divorce happening on the horizon. The third is defensiveness. This is me. Like this is my thing. I'm a defensive ass bitch. I'm trying to be better at not being defensive, but it's like, you know, example, if someone's like, did you call Betty to let her know we're not coming? And the defensiveness is like, I was so fucking busy. Like, are you kidding? Like you knew how busy I was. Why didn't you do it? If you wanted it done so badly, that's like my go-to. And instead of that, you could just be like, oh no, I forgot. Like I should have asked you to do it this morning because I knew my day would be packed. That's my fault. Let me call them right now. Something like that, you know, is way more helpful. I'm continuing to work on this in therapy. I like Stephen frequently would be like, why don't you just apologize? Like, why do you have to like, give me a whole spiel? And I'm like, you're right. I he always says like, I get mad at him when he points out that I did something wrong. And I'm like, you're right. I know, but I'm working on it. Anyway, stonewalling is when you like shut down or leave the room. Also really not good. It's like, can we take a break and come back to this? Like, I can't right now. No, no, no. Sorry. It's saying like, I can't right now. A better thing is to be like, can we take a break and come back to it? But I don't like that either. I'm like, so like Jewish fighter. I don't know if that's like a real thing, but I just feel like Jewish families are like, let's all scream and like get it out of our system right now instead of, you know, letting it stew and whatever. So I like to just like say it right away. Anyway, there's a lot of really interesting articles about that. So give it a read. I hope this little solo was helpful. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the work game or you're just someone who's going to more conferences or more work events and realizing that you don't have your work clothing game on point, Indochino is the place for you. And they believe that you shouldn't fit your clothes. They should fit you, your body, your personality, and your style. Because finding the perfect fit is way more than just your measurements. It's how you show the world who you are and how you show the world that you're a serious business person. Because if you saw Romy and Michelle, you know that the businesswoman special is only for women who are dressed like businesswomen. Guys, if you haven't watched that movie, you absolutely need to. Anyway, Indochino is amazing. I'm obsessed with my pants from Indochino. I'm obsessed with my button down from Indochino. 
Everything that I've gotten from them fits me like a glove. Every suit is made to fit your exact measurements. You, you know, take a quiz and you tell them your measurements, all the things, and you work with an style expert there that creates an outfit made just for you. There's hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from quality European wools, linens, and cotton. So you can even have a suit that's perfect for the summer, you know, a little linen breezy, breezy suit. It's amazing. And I'm personally very into the Brighton check sage pants right now. I think they are giving. They are giving. And I just think that they're very chic. So if you haven't checked it out, go to Indochino.com. Find your perfect fit and stand out in style with a custom suit from Indochino. For 10% off, you can use promo code ACME when you visit Indochino.com to book a showroom appointment or place an order. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with promo code ACME. If you are like me or like any of us really, and you are just Googling your health issues left and right. I recently have had the craziest dreams and I actually was Googling like how to see a dream specialist. It's insane. And a lot of us do this with actual medical issues instead of going to a legitimate doctor and getting a real opinion. You're extremely unlikely to find quality medical advice in your group chat, but you can find it from an actual doctor on ZocDoc. If you don't know about ZocDoc, ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. You can also... Like if you're like, I want someone who has my insurance, who takes my insurance, who's 15 blocks away from me in that radius, you can like organize your search on ZocDoc to find exactly that. It's really, really amazing. And I got to say, we got to stop Googling. It's, it's going to drive us nuts and we never get legitimate information that we actually need and get to the root of our issues, people. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Acme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then you can find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash Acme, ZocDoc.com slash Acme. And use this link so that they know that you heard about this amazing service from our show, ZocDoc.com slash Acme. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Morgan. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. I'm excited for this conversation. Thank you for coming. I'm so glad to catch you in New York in person. Nothing better. Tell me, what is your favorite romantic gesture? Ooh, I am a words of affirmation girl. Mm. And thank goodness my boyfriend knows this about me. And he will write me these long letters. Like we're oh. talking pages long. And I'll just be crying Aww. reading that. Like that's my favorite thing. I love that. But words. how did he know or did you have to tell him or did it was it something that he just did from the get go? So he he's kind of a writer. So he had done it. And then I think I reinforced it. Mm. So I said, I love when you write me these letters. And now I get them all the time. Aww. It's amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah. Wait, like give me a snippet of like what one of like a sentence from them. Um, He'll say, I love having you as my life partner. You're my best friend. You're Aww. my lover. There's no one I'd rather grow with. That's so sweet. Yeah. I love that. It sounds like he's like really in touch with his emotions he too, is. which we can always appreciate. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's so emotionally intelligent. I'll always joke that he's, even more that way than I am. He's yeah. very in tune with his emotions. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So backing up a little bit for anyone who doesn't know you or isn't familiar, how old are you and where are you from? So I am 34 and I am from Bozeman, Montana. I just recently moved there and I'm on five acres, have a modern country farmhouse, just living my country dream. Yeah. I love but that. But I, I spent a lot of time in LA and yeah. San Diego. And then when the pandemic hit, everything went to shit. Yeah. And I was like, I have to get out of here. And yeah. I it's time for the farm. Be, yeah. I moved to be near my family and I'm loving it. That's so nice. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what the ESL relationship method is. Okay. So 
I I guess kind of how I got to this mm-hmm. place and where it all came from. Like many people who get into the field of clinical psychology, I experienced childhood trauma. I lost my mom at age six. And then I kind of witnessed my dad go through some really difficult relationships. And I myself started having a lot of difficulty in relationships. Even I could remember even as a teenager dating really unhealthy people and just experiencing heartbreak after heartbreak. And then in my second year of graduate school, I'm becoming a clinical psychologist, second year of grad school, I ended up dating a narcissist for Mm. about a year. And I essentially hit rock bottom after that relationship of, I cannot keep doing this. It was so painful. As anybody knows who's dated a narcissist, right? I mean, they can have a huge impact on your self-worth. I was totally isolated from friends and family. I didn't know who I was anymore. And it was at that point that I threw myself into researching relationships, attachment theory, and I decided I need to figure out how to have a healthy relationship because I can't keep doing this. And then that's what I did. Took me a while to really do my own healing work. Get in. I feel like therapists and everybody in the health professions were terrible at doing our own work. Yeah. We'd so much rather help other people. Mm-hmm. But I did my own work. And then out of that came the Empowered Secure Love Program, which helps women become securely attached and have great relationships. Yeah. And I want to hear so much more about that. But you did touch on something that I want to go a little bit deeper into, which is that you dated a narcissist. And I have no doubt that you dated a narcissist and you're aware of what a narcissist Mm -hmm. is as a professional. However, I do feel like now more than ever, it's like a buzzword almost to be like, oh, I'm labeling you as a narcissist. So how can you tell the difference between someone that you just think is selfish and you think didn't treat you right versus an actual textbook narcissist that you are sure Mm -hmm. that you dated? I love that you bring this up because it's true. It gets thrown around a lot. And I actually think a lot of people are confusing a narcissist with someone who has avoidant attachment style, Mm. which you and I will get into. To, To identify a narcissist, they're doing things out of control and manipulation, and they're lacking empathy. So it's not that they're afraid of intimacy or they're afraid of commitment. They actually do want to control you and, you know, cause harm in your life. And they don't have a lot of empathy towards that. So I think that's a really important distinction. Yeah. How can you tell if somebody doesn't have empathy? So I think that you can tell because they are saying things that are so hurtful. They will know what your weaknesses are and speak directly to those things. Mm. They're very sophisticated and strategic in how they communicate with you. And they, they do intentionally want to hurt you. Someone who's lacking emotional capacity, maybe they have avoidant attachment style. It's not out of intentionally wanting to hurt you. It's, it's actually they don't have the skills or the, the tools or the emotional capacity. Right. Yeah. Is yeah. that helpful, that distinction? No, no, it is. It is. But I guess my question to you is, because there is someone that I dated in my past that I'm still on the fence if they were a narcissist or not. And I guess my question to you is like, how are you left feeling after dating a narcissist? You Mm -hmm. mentioned it a little bit in your journey, but what is like the typical reaction afterwards? Yeah. And I guess this will be helpful to mention too. There's the cycle of a narcissistic relationship. So you are put on a pedestal in the beginning. That's the love bombing stage. You're, you know, God's gift to women and they put you on a pedestal, fly you around, buy you gifts, all the things that I experienced. And then we get into the devaluing stage, which is the emotional abuse where Mm. the put downs probably are small in the beginning, but then they get worse and worse and worse. And then we get to the discard phase. So with a narcissist, they have completely torn you down. You have low self-worth and then they want nothing to do with you all of a sudden and you're cut out of their life. Yeah, that's pretty typical cycle. And then they'll come back and they'll love bomb you again. So I think knowing that cycle is helpful. And then you do just feel completely emotionally 
drained. This is someone who made you feel crazy. They made you believe lies about yourself. They were good at reinforcing lies about you and your your self-worth. So you probably feel like you don't recognize yourself. You're a different person. You're probably isolated from friends and family in some way. I mean, you're very emotionally depleted often. Mm. What can help you get back to a mindset where you are okay to receive a healthy love? So this is what I love helping people do is, is getting to that place. You need a foundation. And I know it sounds simple, but really first getting help, whether it is with a therapist or a coach, you really need an outside voice because you were led to believe so many lies about yourself and your self-worth. So you need that outside voice of reason and just reconnecting with friends and family, getting as connected as you can because a narcissist wants you to be disconnected in order to control you. Mm. So you need to rebuild your connections as quick as you can, reach out to people. I mean, I had a, a best friend at the time who had to cut ties with me because she couldn't watch it happen. And it took a lot for me to go to her and say, you were absolutely right. But I had to do that for my own mental health and healing. Right. So make amends. Absolutely. Yeah. Moving on a little bit from narcissists. What do you think is the reason that most women, especially struggle to find healthy relationships? Ooh, I have so many reasons. The first one that comes to mind is beliefs about yourself and beliefs about relationships because there's so much unhealthy, hurtful beliefs that that we internalize as women about ourselves and about relationships. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But how do we work on that? I mean, just is it just through therapy? Like, is it just through becoming a little bit more confident, loving ourselves a little bit more? So this is exactly why I designed the program is because a lot of times I love therapy, but a lot of times it's not as targeted and deep to go right into belief work. Mm-hmm. I love NLP and and just really neuro linguistic reprogramming. OK, yeah. <laughs> but really just awareness is the first step. You have right. to be aware of what your belief system is mm-hmm. in order to change it. Yeah. And then there is a lot of inner child work and behavioral work and identity work. How do you become the healthy version of yourself that attracts great relationships? And then obviously, I love to teach people about attachment theory and applying attachment theory to your dating life so that you get the results that you want. Yeah, there's so many factors. But those are some of the key things. What is inner child work? I keep hearing about it. And like, I can guess that it's like, you know, healing Things from your childhood that you have left unhealed. Is that is that really all it is? So inner child work is all about healing the wounds that you had as a child and teaching yourself that you can now show up as your ideal parent. So you can show up and have a corrective emotional experience in times of distress. So I guess just to give you an example, it's like, let's say you're dating and the guy ghosts you and all of a sudden you're like, I'm not worth anything. Nobody wants to love me. This is never going to work out. You go down a horrible spiral. In that moment, you want to show up for yourself with so much love and compassion and support Mm. as your ideal parent would have if you would have been in that situation. Oh, wow. My mind is blown right now. It's corrective. Mm hmm. So you just become the parent that you needed. Yes. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And that, I imagine, in turn helps us speak to ourselves better because we are not nice to ourselves in general. Yes, exactly. So much better. Yeah, I love that. Something I saw on your Instagram that I loved and could not have agreed with more was about choosing someone versus needing them and how it's so much more important and more valuable to be choosing a partner than needing them. How can you tell if you're choosing versus needing? 
So a couple key things I would have you ask yourself, are you more of who you really are when you're around them? If you're choosing, you're going to be your authentic self in their presence because you're not afraid of abandonment. Another thing I'd have you think about, can you set boundaries with this person? Can you communicate your needs? You have to realize that you are deciding to bring someone into your life, not to fill a void, but to just add value to your life, right? Mm. So if we're, if we're intentionally choosing, we're saying, I don't need you to fill this void. I don't need you to know that I'm good enough and that I'm worthy of love. I know that I'm worthy of love. And our relationship just gets to be a multiplier of the love that I already have. Yeah. I think that's so important about like how you how you act and if you're yourself when you're with them. I think that with the right person, you are not only yourself, but like the best version of yourself. Yes. And I think that there were so many times where I personally was in relationships where it brought out a bad side of me. And I some people even told me like they were like, you know, that's a bad sign about you. Like you should do that. And I, and I remember thinking like, no, it's a bad sign about the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I truly think that I was right in this scenario because then when I got into the relationship I'm in now with my husband, it was like this nurturing, amazing like side of myself came out and I was like, this is how it should be. And the side of me in the past relationship who, you know, I didn't like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a reflection on me or maybe it was, you know, and I'm still always working through things in therapy, but it was more of a reflection on my interactions with that person and and what negative mm-hmm. stuff was coming up because it wasn't a right fit. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, obviously, there's our own work and why maybe why we're attracted to those kinds of partners, right? We take ownership in that. But yeah, if the relationship is not bringing out a side of you that you like, then that definitely is a sign that it's it's the wrong relationship for yeah. you. And I always talk about the secure base. We build secure attachment. And with secure attachment, you have complete freedom to grow and change and be your best self. But when you don't have that secure attachment with a partner, it's going to bring out all the worst sides of you. And it's going to be stressful. It's going to impact your career, your friendships, everything, because you're constantly not secure in the relationship itself. Yeah, I agree. And I know I have talked about attachment styles on different episodes with other attachment coaches and things like that. So I don't want to like be redundant and talk about it too much. But I will say I really feel like your partner has a lot to do with your attachment style. Mm -hmm. And in relationships where I didn't have secure attachment, where like my partner almost like gave me anxious attachment when I never had had Mm -hmm. it in the past, it was like all encompassing and I Mm -hmm. couldn't do anything else. And I was recently talking to somebody who's married with kids and she was saying that she still to this day feels uncomfortable when her husband goes on a bachelor party. Oh no. And I was like, oh my God, like when my husband goes to a bachelor party, it is the best weekend of my life. (laughs) Yeah. I am watching my shows. I am doing face masks. I am being disgusting around the apartment, doing whatever I want, like Uh pooping with the door open. I'm living my best life, hanging with my girlfriends. I don't think for a second about what he's up to. And I feel like that's such a very big red flag if you're still worried about that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. With with secure attachment, you have freedom. And that's why those relationships feel so good and they last so long because you get to grow and change while still being in the relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I have, of course, had many anxious attachment relationships where I was that woman who was scared about, you know, the one weekend I was away and he was elsewhere or like checking who he's following on Instagram, like these behaviors that, you know, are not normal, but you can't help but do because you're not getting what you need. You're not getting that feeling of security. This is so good. You're talking about this because it doesn't get talked about enough that 
you have to intentionally co-create a secure attachment with your partner. And some people don't have the capacity to co-create that. Mm. So you could be securely attached or even if you're anxiously attached, but if you're paired with someone who doesn't have capacity to create a secure attachment, then yes, it's going to bring up the anxious attachment. And and then the securely attached person who has high self-worth and has abundance mindset realizes this is not how I want to feel in relationships. I deserve better. And they break up and they move on and they yeah. find someone like your husband. Right, right, right totally. I want to talk about toxic independence because it has been something that has come up a lot recently. And I know we have a lot of listeners who are in their 30s and single Mm -hmm. and they love their lives and they are successful and they have their setup in their apartment and they have a dog and they have, you know, everything that they, you know, really love, but they would like a partner. However, anytime somebody comes close they like almost retreat to their independence again. How do you combat that? If you're somebody that really wants a partner, but you're really independent, like how do you know when you're being too independent? Mm, I love this so much. And there's actually research that shows that more and more women are showing up this way. Mm. I think that for forever, it's been, oh, that's how men are. They're prioritizing their career. They don't have time for, you know, they're commitment phobes. But we do have a larger number of women that also have toxic independence. So I think it's a really important topic. I think we have to realize that there's core fears here that must be dealt with. Some of the fears are that I'm just not good at relationships and I'm going to fail. So I'd rather put my energy into my career because I know I work harder and then I get better results. Whereas with relationships, I'm not as confident how it's going to go. So I just don't want to put my energy in. Mm -hmm. At least that's kind of the unconscious thing. And then the the conscious justification that so many people have is, oh, it's just I have to focus on my life and my career and my life is so great. I don't have room for anything else. But below that is the fear of failure and that I'm actually not good at relationships. Mm. How do you deal with that like how do you first of all how do you if a friend of yours is like this can you say anything and Mm -hmm. second of all like if I'm a guy who's dating a woman who has toxic independence like how do I break her cycle yeah so I I think it's really important to to realize that you can work through this so anybody listening is like that's me you can work through it What happens for a lot of people is they go through something really challenging and then they realize, ooh, I need partnership in my life. Mm. So what was kind of interesting with COVID is we saw that more and more people were open to marriage and long-term relationships because of how challenging that time was. So for some people, it'll happen naturally. But then I think for other people, it's about getting really honest. Stop numbing, stop distracting yourself. What do you actually want in your life? Is is a relationship important? Is family important? And you have to acknowledge the reality that it's not just going to happen, that you have to intentionally make the space for it. And then I would add a couple things. You have to get good at setting boundaries. Mm. People with toxic independence, they're not afraid to set boundaries because they're afraid their partner is going to leave. They're afraid to set boundaries because they don't want to deal with the emotional impact it has on other people. And they have stories that people are going to want way too much of their time and they're going to disappoint others. So then they just don't set boundaries. Mm. So the growing edge is realizing, hey, I can have my independence and I can have a relationship. It's this beautiful term called interdependence. That's what you want to get good at to realize I can care for myself, do what I want for me, and I can have this beautiful relationship at the same time. I don't have to choose. But what if you're someone who is that exact person, right? But then every time they are like, okay, fine, I'll let someone in, Mm -hmm. that person ends up hurting them. How can you convince someone like that that's not going to happen over and over and over again? If it's happened, like, 
three or four times. That's where people like me come in because a lot of times what's happening there is you are attracted to those people. Mm. There's this term from Freud, a concept I love. There's very few things I love from Freud. This is one of the only ones and it's repetition compulsion. Mm. So you're likely replaying, you're repeating your unfinished childhood business in your adult romantic relationships. And there's this unconscious wish that this time I would have a different outcome and it'll make up for my entire childhood. But until we deal with that core trauma, you're going to keep repeating those patterns. So that's someone who really needs to deal with their current relationship blueprint is what I would call it. And the kind of person they're attracted to. Yeah, that makes sense. This was something that I read you had posted and I loved. It was the five rules for healthy relationships. And we'll go through them and I want your your take. Number one, your joy is your job. I love that one. I love it. (laughs) It's so true. I mean, it just takes me back to like, those codependent relationships in high school that I had where Mm -hmm. if he wasn't, you know, around, I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. And that was so dangerous, so dangerous. And I remember I actually, you know, had this boyfriend all of high school and then we went to college and we broke up and I was inconsolable Mm -hmm. because my happiness was being with him. Now in the healthy relationship and the healthy marriage that I'm in, I can be happy regardless of him. Obviously when he's around, I'm thrilled and I love being with him, but my happiness is not because he's shown me attention. So I love that. Do you have a little like one, one sentence or about why your joy is your job? I think it's often easy for us to want other people to take care of our joy, but nobody else can do it because only you know what your joy is. Right. So it's kind of, it's unfair to place it on other people. You have to take ownership. Yeah, agreed. The second was communicate frequently, openly, and honestly. I feel like this is self-explanatory. Like, just do it. (laughs) This one's so hard for people with fear of abandonment. So I think it's that realization that you have to address the core fears and then the communication will change. I could teach you everything about assertive communication, give you sentence structures. You're not going to do it if you have a huge fear of abandonment. Yeah. This one is actually my favorite. I take it back. Number three, your time apart is valuable and helps create desire. I have so many friends in relationships who are never apart. And it is not okay. Like every time and and like, you know, it doesn't have to be intentional apartness. Like maybe it's just a business trip or whatever it is, you know, even though I do like intentional, intentional being apart. But I think that like, how can they miss you? How can their affection grow for you if you're never gone? If you're always around. Beautiful. Yeah. Esther Perel has this quote, desire needs a bridge to cross. Mm. So many people are just together all the time and that that bridge is gone. And I'm just like you. I love my time away from my partner. I love when he goes on trips because I know when we get back together, we really miss each other and it it helps our relationship that much more. We have more gratitude for one another. We appreciate each other. It's a beautiful thing. Right. Like even even during the day, and, you know, there are some people who both work from home and I, I, I feel for them because mm-hmm. it's really hard in a relationship. Mm-hmm. But even during the day when my husband's at work, I start to think of him more fondly, you know, yeah, like, yes, even during the So it's like if one of you has to go work at another friend's apartment for the day, do what you got to do to be away from them oh, for a yeah. little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is kind of the opposite, which is spend in, for spend intentional time together without your phones. This is very much like quality time, which is a love language. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm not the best at this unless like we are on out to dinner, the two of us. Mm -hmm. But it can be really hard when you're in your apartment together because your phones are always there. The TV is always right next to you. Mm -hmm. It's hard. 
It is hard, especially in today's world of all the different social media things, et cetera. It's, it's very challenging, has to be intentional. I have a rule with my partner, no phones in the bed. Cause you know, you spend that time in bed, just both of you on your phone. Right. And that's our time to intentionally connect and be present. So I think if you can do that, where it doesn't have to be all the time, but create routines where no phones are there and you're just intentionally with each other, it's very helpful. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Yeah. (laughs) And number five, another one I totally love, which is never stop being curious about each other. And this almost like made me choke up because I was I was thinking like the other day, you know, I asked my husband how his day was, but like I didn't really care that much. Like, Mm. uh, of course I cared, but like I was just asking to ask almost because like Mm. that was the right thing to do. But I was very wrapped up in something I was doing at the time. And I was like, oh, my God, that's like the worst thing I could be doing in my relationship is like not genuinely being curious about what went on that day for him. And again, it's not like I didn't care, but I was just asking when I was doing something else. Mm -hmm. And like that is getting in the way of my actual curiosity about it because I wasn't open to hearing Mm -hmm. the answer. Yeah. And you're not alone in that. And I think it's beautiful. You recognize that. That's the thing is the awareness piece. And we have to be open to getting to know our partner at any stage of life. There's a quote about if you're lucky, you'll have seven partners in the same in one lifetime. And if you're really lucky, it'll be the same person. Yeah. Right. So it's that curiosity of how are they evolving? What went on in their day? What are they thinking and feeling and needing and what are they excited about? What's what's not working for them in their life? And sometimes with the people who are closest to us, we just assume we know them, but everyone's growing. So so that curiosity is needed. Yeah. Speaking of growing, you mentioned watering plastic plants. What is this phrase <laughs> and what is it applied to? So I love this this metaphor. You need to stop watering plastic plant relationships. A plastic plant relationship is a relationship you give your energy to and it just can't grow. A plastic plant is a plastic plant. If you sing to it, dance, dance, you know, put it in a certain sunlight, nothing is going to make it grow. And I think we have, especially as women, we have so many times where we think if we just show up right or we just do a certain thing or maybe we get them to go to therapy, then they'll be the partner we want but you deserve to give your energy to a real life plant, to a relationship that can grow with you. Yes. So don't fall for potential. No, because a plastic plant will never be a real plant. This is true. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire poll questions. Okay, awesome. These are just like silly and from our Instagram. Love it. Okay. Do you expect a current boyfriend to go back through their old photos and delete nude or like sexy pictures of their ex? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes. And it depends on the relationship. Mm. I don't know. For me, I'm like, no, like it's like if they're looking at it still, that's not okay. But like, I don't expect them to do a clean out. If they want to, that's great. But I'm not being like, okay, now delete that. Now delete that, you know? For sure. Yeah. And I, I think it just depends on each person's comfort level. Yeah. And when you want to co-create secure attachment, if that's a big need for someone and right. you love them and they need that. Right. If it's no sweat off your back. Yeah. Then, why then not? do it. But I don't I don't think it's required. Mm-hmm. No. Have you gone to see a movie alone? Yes or no? Yes, I have. I love it. It's the most fun. Oh, activity. yeah. I'm so into it. Is it weird to wear shorts to the airport? Yes or no? Ooh, I never would, but I wouldn't judge someone who did. I'm a leggings when I travel kind of yeah, girl. Yeah, but all that. You do you. New guy you're dating drunkenly calls you one of his best girlfriend's names. Is that a red flag or no? That is a yellow flag, which is I'm thinking about when that's happened to me. That's a yellow flag because you don't know. Yeah, maybe they are not over their ex or maybe they're just really drunk. So you got to gather some more data. Yeah. Well, no, not an ex-girlfriend, their best girlfriend, like their 
best friend who's a girl. Oh, shoot. Definitely also a yellow flag. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't know the relationship with this girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gather the data there. (laughs) You have been dating someone for a month. You already had sex and things are going amazing and the feelings are mutual. You tell each other how much you like each other and see a future together. Is it too soon for the guy to ask you to be his girlfriend? Yes or no? It's only been a month. I am going to say no. And my my reason why is if that's what you both want, right? It's It has to be something you both want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you judge people who eat sushi or drink when they're pregnant? Yes or no? I am going to say yes, I guess. Yeah. I feel like it's hard not to, but like you never know the situation. <laughs> you never know. Okay, this one's a little risque. (laughs) Do you ever have sex dreams involving people or kinks that you would never be attracted to or enjoy in real life? Yes or no? Yes. And as a psychologist, I analyze the hell out of it and think why that happens. Yeah. 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 Would you be upset if your friend's ex unfollowed you? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a good thing or a bad thing to you if someone you're about to start dating has a pet? Oh, it's amazing. I love all animals. Who do you feel is more ride or die? Your high school friends or your college friends? Definitely college. Mm. Does your male partner watch reality TV with you? Yes or no? <laughs> he does. I love we it. We just watched Southern Charm, the trashiest oh of my God, all amazing. the he got into it. I love I need to I need to go back and like start that from the beginning. Um, I'm a summer house girl. Yes. Love it. This was so amazing. Dr. Morgan, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice? I would say I want you to know that it's never too late that even if you feel like it's not available to you, a healthy, great relationship is so available to you and you're so deserving of it. I love that. Where can everybody find you, follow you, and sign up for your program? So you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. Then I also have a podcast called Let's Get Vulnerable. Those are the best places. And then there's info about the program there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.